The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We are going to talk if the Milwaukee Bucks should trade for Kevin Durant. Yes, that is the podcast topic, and it's very easy to do. So we'll get into that and talk through if that is feasible. Not it's it's definitely feasible, but if it's actually worth doing, uh, we will also chat about the Milwaukee Brewers, their big win over the San Diego Padres. They keep it rolling. We'll do three takes and out. And then lastly, we will lament the NBA playoffs and talk about how the NHL has been so much better. Can can the NBA learn anything from that? Like, what is going on? I'm not sure, but we will talk about that uh, at the very end of today's show. Before we get going, just a reminder, on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, I will admit our TikTok and Instagram hasn't been great recently. I'm working on it, trying to improve it as as you can. Sometimes it's hard out here to be a content creator and have a full-time job. Not making an excuse, but just pointing it out. We have a good thing uh, that I'll throw up today about Rogers and Mahomes, so make sure you're liking that. Make sure you're following along. We'd really appreciate it. And then lastly, um, we are on every podcast network you could find. Wherever you get your podcast, we are there. Um, so make sure you're subscribed. If you're already subscribed, make sure you're sharing this out with your friends, telling them about what we are um, and who we are about. And while we're a little different than local radio, which I love, um, I do like the people who do local radio, but I just think we do it better than them. That's that's here nor there, but that's my opinion. So I'm sticking to it. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant is unhappy with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, it seems like it's a very similar situation to I think you should leave if you've watched it. I personally have not. I couldn't get into it. But I, there is the scene where Tim Robinson's in a hot dog suit and said, who did this? Like, who who made this mess? Who, like, that to me right now is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is standing around in a hot dog costume like, who made this mess? And it's Kevin Durant. Like, this all falls on Kevin Durant. Like, Kevin Durant needs accountability. Not talking to Nets management seems a little bit short-sighted. Now, whether the conversation to Durant about Ben Simmons, they told him, like, yeah, Ben Simmons is going to play this year. Like, we have no qualms that Ben Simmons will be out there and it will help us win a championship. And if Durant was fed false information and the Simmons thing was the straw that broke the camel's back, then I side a little bit more with Durant. But still, it was Durant who wanted Kyrie Irving. It was Durant who continued to be in Kyrie Irving's corner. Now, I'm not sure Kyrie Irving could have got traded this year, but who knows, right? I think there would have been some team that would have taken a chance on Kyrie that had maybe a little bit looser vaccination rules in their city and could have made Kyrie a player. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I think if the Nets were allowed to explore it, there could have at least been some noise or there at least could have been some opportunity where it could have improved the team and got Durant a better second banana. But Durant's frustrations have seemingly boiled over, and now some people are wondering if Kevin Durant is on his way out of Brooklyn. That is a crazy thing to say, right? After the whole issue, not issue, but the whole like story around Durant and the Nets and this Nets being a super team, the Nets being the team of the future, and now Durant wants out, it seems almost far-fetched. It seems like not actually reality. And the Nets have also said that they're they unsure if they're going to keep Kyrie Irving. 
So are the Nets going to completely tear it down and start all over again? I'm unsure. I, I don't know at this point. I think it's a sudden subplot of the NBA offseason, and it seems like Durant is unhappy. So where where does it go from here? Durant's contract is pretty heavy. He's four years, you know, over a hundred million on the table. It's a it's a ex- excessive contract, if you will. But it's forty two million next year, and it's not that hard to move. Shockingly, um, for the Milwaukee Bucks and for probably some other teams, the Bucks have big contracts. So because the Bucks have big contracts, they're able to move and get Durant rather easily. Chris Middleton, George Hill, Grayson Allen gets that deal done. Now, I would imagine the Nets would want a pick, but maybe the Bucs can say, no, we're not giving you a pick, and we're going to give you these guys. And Chris Middleton, while maybe not a star, Chris Middleton could definitely provide some steadiness to your team and provide you a really good scoring option. I don't know what Chris Middleton looks like without Giannis Antetokounmpo, but we've seen Chris Middleton perform without Giannis. Now, that's great. Again, Durant and Giannis is a unreal lineup to think about. In texting a group chat about it, uh, Drew, Katie, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez could probably play four and five and still win games. That's what Mitch Ross said. And I, I think it's true because they are, they, they are that talented on the defensive side of the ball. The Bucs won't need much other than those four guys. Now, you could get really nuts and try to trade for P.J. Tucker, and then you, you really have a special team. But Giannis and Durant obviously have, you know, a liking to each other. I think that Durant would then again fall into the second banana, but I don't necessarily see it as a Jordan Pippen thing. Rather, I see it as maybe the last bastion of a superpower, and it's maybe more LeBron Wade. To me, it's more LeBron Wade than it is than it is like Pippen Jordan, right? Like peak of your powers, Giannis, and then a guy who is there may, was once at his peak of his powers, but maybe not as good, but can still turn it on. The idea of having to deal with Giannis and Durant from a spacing angle is hard to fathom. Those two guys together, it's just, it it seems unbeatable. It, it honestly does. And it would really have to come from Giannis Antetokounmpo first and foremost, right? Giannis Antetokounmpo has to say, all right, yeah, I want to trade for Kevin Durant. And I want you guys to trade for Kevin Durant. And if Giannis says those words or says he's okay with getting rid of Chris Middleton for Durant, because that's what's going to take, it has to be it has to come from Giannis. I know I understand that we're maybe a little less, we're getting out of the player empowerment era, but I do think it's still a really meaningful thing. And I think it really, you know, is dependent on if Giannis wants him or not. I'm sure Giannis does want him, but the question is, would you trade away your buddy? And I don't know. I mean, the NBA is a business. Giannis knows that. He learned that when Jason Kidd got fired. And, but at the same time, is Chris Middleton, how, you know, how important is Chris Middleton to Giannis Antetokounmpo? That's really where it comes down to. And I do think that Giannis and Chris and Drew can win other titles together. The the Boston-Miami series makes me sick, which we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs a little bit later. But it makes me sick because I really do think the Bucs could have won a championship. I, I think the series against Golden State would be a nail-biter. I think it would go down to the wire. But I do think the Bucs could win another title. 
And the fact that they pissed it away is probably going to drive me crazy. I won't drive me crazy if they win next year. If they win next year, it doesn't matter. This is a blip on the radar. They could have three-peat, yeah. But I think I'd be fine with two titles in three years. Honestly, even if they didn't win next year and they won the year after and it's two titles in four years, that's still pretty fucking good, okay? Like, I say this all the time, but it bears repeating. It's really hard to win a championship. So if Giannis thinks he can do that with Chris Middleton, which I I, I think he can, I don't know if Giannis is going to trade Middleton for Durant. Durant, But Durant might be the only guy that Giannis trades trades with Chris Middleton for. If you're playing hoops with Giannis, you know, in closed setting, no cameras, nothing around, and you're just shooting the basketball. Usually I do drinks, but the guy doesn't drink, so I, I can't use that example. And you're like, would you really trade Middleton for Durant? I would be fascinated to know his answer. Because I don't know. Giannis is a deeply loyal guy. I could easily see Giannis saying, no, Chris and I are a package deal. Where Chris goes, I go. I'm not let. I'm not leaving Chris and while I love Kevin and I think Kevin can be a great player, like I, I, I just, Chris is my guy. I could easily see that out of Giannis Antetokounmpo. But it is wild that it is so easy to trade for Kevin Durant. Now, do I worry about other teams? Yeah. I mean, and you have to, right? You worry about the Phoenix Suns. I feel like the Phoenix Suns know their window's closing. Could Durant and Chris Paul get along? I don't know. I think there would be more friction there. I think the idea of Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker would be something else. Um, they would have to obviously move Aiton, Mikhail Bridges, um, Cam Johnson. I think you have to move all three of those. I don't have the numbers in front of me. It probably is a sign and trade with Aiton, right? Because that would make the, the money work for KD. You could trade KD back to the Warriors. But I don't know if the Warriors want that, right? After everything that happened, I don't know if the relationship between Draymond and Katie, I know they did a podcast together, but I don't know if I don't know if they're cool, right? Like I don't know if that actually actually would happen, but it, it's feasible. You would trade Wiggins, Kaminga, and Moody, and you have Kevin Durant to the Warriors. Denver's another team, right? Maybe. Jokic, Jokic and Durant, you trade Jamal Murray, you trade Michael Porter. But would Brooklyn really want to you know, take on two guys who are injury. Well, Porter for sure injury risk. Jamal Murray, Jerry's still out, but coming off an ACL tear, I don't know. Do you want that? It's really a fascinating subplot now to this season, and to this offseason. And we thought that maybe the biggest subplot would be Donovan Mitchell and where he would go or what Rudy Gobert would, would get in the open market or maybe DeAndre Ayton. But all of a sudden, one of the biggest players in the game, Kevin Durant, Seemingly once out, and who knows where it goes from here. And I wouldn't be shocked if Milwaukee is a player. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers had a great win against San Diego Padres, winning 2-1. to one. The got it done with a seventh inning. Rodney Tellez double, tied the game, and then a Tyrone Taylor sack fly, which was nearly another home run for him. Jeff Levering thought it was out. Uh, gave them the lead. And the Brewers win 2-1. to one. It is a great road series win for the Brewers. Now, obviously, they can't rest on their laurels. Um, you know, you have a big series this weekend against the Cardinals uh, that starts tonight. No rest for the wicked for the Milwaukee Brewers. But at the same point, this is something to hold your hat on. Uh, the Padres are one of the best teams in the National League, and the Brewers basically stymied their offense all 
week long. The Padres got a grand total of five runs. That's that's not that's not playoff baseball, and that's showing how good the Brewers pitching staff was this weekend. Now I understand Petco Park is not a place for runs, but the the Padres also only got their two runs on double plays or on ground out. Excuse me, fielder's choice. Saw divine uh, divine got sports gospel our friends uh, retweet something about that like. They were really bad these last two games. They were really, really bad offensively. And why were they really bad? Because the Milwaukee Brewers pitching staff are some fucking studs. They really showed out with whether it was their starters, whether it was the bullpen. We'll talk about both actually in our three takes and out. But this is obviously take one about just the impressive victories for the Brewers. And I said it on the review yesterday, and I mean it like, you need to kind of start believing in this team. Like, this is definitely a moment in the Brewer season. To me, this is when we start, obviously, getting a little bit more serious about baseball. It's Memorial Day, right? We're about at the 50-game mark here or there. Like, this is when you start looking at it and saying, all right, this team could be something. And I think with the fact that they're winning games without Hunter Renfro, Willie Adamas, Josh Hader, that's extremely impressive. And they, they're like they're not even like folding, right? They're not even like, okay, Devin Williams blew a save, or you know, they have no offense and they can't compete with the Padres. Now we'll see how sustainable this is for an entire series. The Cardinals have played really well at home. They're playing really well right now. So like I said, this is gonna be a hard weekend. And but still, as I always tell you guys. The goal is to win, be 500 on the road. You have 11 games on this road trip in 10 days because you have a doubleheader with the Cubs. As long as you are 6-5 and five or 5-6, five and six, this is a good road trip. So the Brewers right now have two out of three. They're one game up. If you can win, you get to at least five, you're golden. But yeah, the Cardinals are going to provide a challenge. They're actually not as good as home as I thought they were. They're 11 and 9, uh, but they have a run differential of plus 42. Like they are, they're offensively are good. Paul Goldschmidt has been absolutely on fucking fire. Um, so actually, they have a, a higher run differential than the Brewers just by like seven runs, but still. But the Brewers are pretty good on the road. They're 14 and 10 on the road. They have as many home wins as they do away. They have played 24 road games to only 20 home games. And when this series is all said and done, the Brewers are going to have even more on the road. And that's that plays really well for a team that's 14-6 and six at home that actually, right with the Dodgers, has one of the best home records in all of the National League. So this Brewers team definitely sent a statement this week. And I know they play the Padres again in basically a week. You come home and you play the Padres. That's what makes this kind of stretch really tough. And the Brewers... Don't have room to breathe. I realize the Cubs aren't that good. But still, playing in Chicago, the rivalry itself, like the Cubs are going to want to try to beat the Brewers. Like I just think that there is a quintessential rivalry angle to it that the Cubs always want to show out against the or against the Cardinals and the, and the Brewers. Like they're never going to like lay down. Like those are never going to be series where you're like, okay, this is an automatic sweep or this is an automatic, you know, series win for the crew. 
But yeah, it's San Diego, and then actually after San Diego, it's Philadelphia, who are not slouches. And then you go back out on the road for another three-game road trip to Washington, New York, which is a premier series, and then Cincinnati for a weekend. So again, it like Washington-Cincinnati road trip isn't as hard with New York sandwiched in there. It's like having really good meat with a bad bread. So it's like having a like a greasy burger a real good burger but having like white bread as your as your component like it'll sog up not be good that's basically that road trip but again it's another three city road trip and that is the third three city road trip in the first half of the major league baseball season that's absolutely criminal for the milwaukee brewers i don't know if other teams are dealing with that maybe that's a research column for me but like that's crazy That's absolutely nuts that the Brewers are playing so much on the road to start this season, but it hasn't seemingly affected them because they've been very successful, and this was another example of it, getting it done against San Diego. Other things to note in take number two, Devin Williams. Devin Williams showed himself this week. He pitched all three games. First time in his career that Devin Williams has pitched three straight games. Devin Williams told Craig Council before the game that if he felt good playing catch, that he'd want to go out there. And he felt good and he told Craig Council, like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And I was a little nervous, I'm not going to lie. You know, it's a guy who at times can lose his control, lose his command, and really gives it his all every time he pitches. So I did worry a little bit, but Devin Williams got it done. And if Devin Williams can start pitching three straight games, like that's going to really help the Brewers down the stretch. It's going to help them in the postseason. The fact that uh, postseason, I, I think it doesn't matter as much because you have days off. But regardless, like there are going to be series where you might need Devin Williams in all three games. And the fact that he told he could do it with this time says a lot. Now, is that going to be every time? Probably not. But at least there is a chance, there is an opportunity. And Devin Williams was truly impressive uh, in this series. And I really liked a lot of what I saw from Devin Williams and think that Devin Williams has sort of maybe a little bit different of a future, I guess, with the Brewers. I think that the Josh Hader trade conversation, I want to have that. I want to do that. I saw Dario um, Melendez talked about why they should trade him this year, which I thought was absurd. But I do think the Josh Hader trade conversation should be brought up at some point. Uh, but I kind of want to be respectful to whatever's going on. Which I, I feel like it's, I just feel weird not knowing about the medical emergency. Not that I need to know everything, but I don't really want to have that conversation when the guy, I don't know, it feels weird. And maybe you disagree, let me know. Um, but And we certainly can do that topic next week. But I think Hader will be back on Thursday. And that's why Williams also probably went out there. Because I think he knows Hader will be back on Thursday. And if Hader's not back on Thursday, well, then the Brewers will have to figure it out. I do not feel great about this game. Um, I will not be wagering on this one. Adam Wainwright, very good at home. He does own the Brewers. Um, he struggled in his last start against them. But he home Wainwright is a little different. And the, the it's Eric Lauer against the Cardinals. And the Cardinals have been one of the best teams against left-handers. They had the top OPS in baseball. This is going to be a massive hill to climb for them tonight. So maybe Devin Williams looked at that both and said, all right, yeah, Hater might be back. Who knows? I'm sure he doesn't know the lefty, that sort of thing. He probably doesn't give a fuck. But I, I think he probably saw it and said, all right, I, we probably have a better chance maybe tonight than we do when we do against St. Louis on Thursday. 
And yeah, Devin Williams, man, deserves a ton of credit and definitely showed that he can be a closer for this team if needed. Um, you hope that he's not needed for that role, but if he is needed for that role, I think Devin Williams is ready to step up. And also the fact that Brad Boxberger had a nice bounce back in the eighth inning was really encouraging. He struck out the side, which is the first thing he's done. He hasn't done that in, I think they said since 2018, but it was a really nice bounce back for Boxberger. I hope that Whatever, he, he's been sort of up and down, very inconsistent. I said it on Twitter that I thought Trevor Gott really should be the seventh inning guy over Boxberger, and you should really use Boxberger more sparringly. But I don't know, maybe maybe Boxberger saw what Gott's doing and kind of leveled up, but hopefully it continues for him this weekend. Last thought on the Brewers was Aaron Ashby. I, I thought he took a step forward. San Diego Padres are very good against left-handers. Um, they have one of the better OPSs against left-handers. Ashby has had the unfortunate luck of dealing with some of the best teams against left-handers this season. I think that's kind of been an underrated part of Ashby's season so far, right? He started against the Cardinals. Their top their top team, as mentioned, in OPS. He, had the, he faced the Cardinals. He faced the, San, the Philadelphia Phillies. They're right there with the Cardinals in terms of top teams with OPS. Uh, he faced the Atlanta Braves, another team that's in the top 10 or in, at definitely like in the top 12 of OPS teams, and then face the San Diego Padres. So that's four teams in the top 15 of OPS against left-handers. And Ashby has a 2-9-1 ERA. Now he's pitched in other games too, so it's a little skewed. But in this game, the run he had was unearned because it was off an error. Gave up four hits. They weren't really that much contact. He only walked three batters. Struck out five. Very impressive stuff from Aaron Ashby. And yeah, I think it's a significant step forward for him. And I, I'm very curious to see if Aaron Ashby is able to sort of establish himself as the next Brewers pitcher. And I think he, it's getting close, right? He's like on the cusp. And at some point, Ethan Small, I think, is going to come up. There's a TBD for Sunday. Now, I don't recommend you know a major league debut as a left-hander against the St. Louis Cardinals. But the Brewers could use the assistance given the fact that they're in a double header on Monday. So you could see Ethan Small out there. But you also could see Ethan Small on Monday against Wrig- in Wrigley. Like to me, that makes a little more sense if we're talking about how the Brewers you know, manage their pitching staff. That's what I would prefer to see. But who knows? Um, they're TBA, TBA right now. Um, I, I said TBD, but to be determined, to be announced, it's all the same. So yeah, but Aaron Ashby, man, I think he he definitely has a bright future. He's at least a reliable reliever for the Brewers, but he's showing himself as a sixth starter. And, the, and there's not a lot of teams that have that. Like we were talking with Matt uh, from Divine Sports on Monday, which is a great show if you haven't listened. I know we position it as a Brewer San Diego preview, but it's really more about being a fan and what it's like to be a San Diego Padre fan and the San Diego sports fan and just it's a real it's I think it's a really good podcast I was really happy with how it turned out and I hope to do more interview based shows uh in the future but I I think the uh, the one thing I wanted to call out about that was he talked about how deep the Padres pitching staff was like the starting pitch staff and it is like they have like six or seven different options and so do the Brewers and I don't think the Mets have it right now as much um, you saw they brought out a guy from AAA that was fucking terrible. Um, and I don't think the Brewers are going to have to deal with that this season. And that's 
that's a really good sign going forward. And I feel very confident about what the Brewers have in their starting pitching rotation. So we'll see what happens against the St. Louis Cardinals and see if the Brewers can continue their impressive road trip. Moving on to wrap up today's show with the NBA versus the NHL. Now, if you know hockey guys, they love to tell you how much better their sport is than basketball. It's something they do. It's a little bit of a little brother syndrome because hockey is just not as popular as basketball. Now, I will say that it's sometimes, it's fun, honestly. It's more fun than it is annoying. I don't, I don't really consider it annoying. I think it's playful, ball-busting, and I think it, it's done the right way. I have had more of an interest in these hockey playoffs than I probably have in the last three or four years. I, I think, A, it's easier to watch pre, because the Bucks aren't playing, um, when the Bucks were playing, it was really hard to get sports on the TV on not Bucks game days. I'm not gonna lie to you, as someone who has well, I have multiple TVs, but I have one main TV. Like I don't have a basement where I can just go and watch sports all all night. So it's it's a harder, it's a little more difficult for me to watch hockey. And also, it helps that it's on ESPN and TNT. I think the fact that it's right there for you, it's like okay, cool, and it feels like a big deal that they're either on ESPN or TNT. What's crazy is it's been significantly better than the NBA. And they have a good game a night, it feels like. It feels like one game a night. Right now they're in the, the second round. so they But they feel like every night there's at least one game that is worth a damn. Last night, the electric game between the Avalanche and the Blues. Avalanche trying to close out St. Louis. Looks like they're on the cusp. All of a sudden... Blues come back, get a two get two goals in the in the third period. It's three to three. It's humming. And then Nate McKinnon does something basically incredible. Like starts from his goal and goes all the way coast to coast, basically one on five. And McKinnon scores a goal. McKinnon's one of the best players in hockey, if you're unfamiliar with him. And so it was this great goal. Colorado, Denver is on fucking fire. They're singing all the small things, which is great. Like it's literally everybody in the stands is singing all the small things and they're just jamming to it. It is so loud in there. They know they're on the cusp of making the conference finals. And I think it's the first time they're in the conference final. No, I think they got there when Vegas did. I'll, I'll have somebody probably fact check me on that. But regardless, they are two minutes away from winning everything and getting it and advancing and facing either Edmonton or Calgary. And then the Blues, who have a bunch of guys who won a Stanley Cup a few years ago, empty, you know, empty the net and they all and they get a goal. And they get a goal in the last minute. They're at the death, basically. They get a goal to send it to overtime. And then the Blues kind of carry that momentum into overtime and snipe one from deep and have a goal. And it is 4-3 Blues. They take it home. And they, they are going to now go to a game six in St. Louis, where I'm sure it will be on fire. So the Brewers and Cardinals will be an afterthought on Friday night. I don't I think they will still have a good crowd there. They always they love baseball in St. Louis, but like the Blues Avalanche is a much bigger game. And I'm sure a lot of Brewers players probably wish they weren't playing that night. Like they could use a rainout. Trust me, right? There could be definitely a situation where they're like, we just rain this one out so we could have 
Avs Avs Blues on every TV in in the greater St. Louis area. But that they will be on fire. And now it's like, how do you how do you basically avoid going to a game seven? And how and even though game seven will be in Colorado, St. Louis would have all the momentum heading into it. Now, coincidentally enough, in the other side of the Western Conference, where there has been good game after good game, you have the you have the uh, the battle for Alberta between Edmonton and Calgary, and Connor McDavid, who was kind of in the Mike Trout category of guy hasn't done anything, but he's incredible. He's finally having his fucking moment in his playoffs, and they could go on to the the, the Eastern Con- or Western Conference Finals. I think for the first time since like 2005, they got to the Stanley Cup and they lost to Carolina, and that's that's a storyline. But Calgary's at home. They, they have a chance to, you know, obviously then they just have to steal one in Edmonton and then they get game seven at home. So Calgary isn't dead, even though it looks like it's basically a crowning of McDavid. They get the home crowd. Their crowd's been incredible. They just got to win. And this series and that series, I mean, they had a similar thing. The Flames came back. Mike Smith had basically a howler, if you would. Like, I'm using hockey and soccer uh, terminology in the mix. But, like, it's just so much better than the NBA. I, I just did I just did five minutes on hockey. And I haven't cared this much about hockey probably since college. I watched a lot of play- NHL playoffs, or Stanley Cup playoffs, excuse me, for the purists. I watched a lot of Stanley Cup playoffs in college. And maybe a little bit after college. And then I kind of fell out of flavor with it, whatever. Because I, and I like knew the guys, I knew the teams, I knew the fan bases. But yeah, and now, and we're going, and it's, we have at least one game six with the, we have, well, now we have two, but we have the, the Rangers and the Hurricane series. That thing is really physical. There was some, there's some dirty shit going on there. I mean, it's so much better than the NBA. And they're playing every other night too. And Tyler Harrow not playing? Like, what the fuck? I got a buddy uh, chirped me in a group chat about that and was like, why isn't Tyler Harrow playing? And I was like, he has a groin injury. And he's like, you basically have to be pulled off the floor. It is the Eastern Conference Finals. The NBA has a real problem here. And maybe it's a blip on the radar. But the fact of the matter is, is I don't think any, if a hockey fan would not say this about the NBA playoffs that I just did. Like if someone was doing an avalanche podcast or maybe they're a fan of the Florida Panthers or they're a fan of the Washington Capitals. Maybe they're just a DC sports fan. They're not necessarily doing 10 minutes on the, or five minutes on the NBA if that's their second, second sport, you know, in this time period. But I would rather watch hockey at this point than the NBA. And I don't think I've said that in a long time, maybe ever. And can basketball redeem itself? Yeah. If Celtics Warriors is this incredible finals, I don't think anybody cares. I think it gets ignored. I really do. But I think also it'd be interesting if it is an incredible finals because it shines a light on player rest because they're going to get time off. Like the final schedule is much more spread out than you have with the conference final schedule. And Mark Cuban mentioned the playing game was the cause of this. I don't know if that's the case, but if it is the cause of this, then guess what? We need to then have more more like 
games in a row for the first round. Then the first round needs to be fixed. Then we need to stop spacing out the first round and then have more time for the conference finals and really the semifinals too. Then that's kind of how it should be. We should crunch the first round, second round start spacing it out, third round start spacing it out a little bit more, and then the finals, it's it's basically all for TV. You have games Thursday night, Sunday night, I think there's a Friday in there. And, I, and like, look, the Celtics Warriors will have a massive rating. Those are two very public team, both coasts. Like, it will do great numbers for the NBA. Their finals ratings will be way up. But it has to actually be exciting. I, I don't think a lot of people are going to care if it's continual blowouts. I would love it if the Mavericks play a close game tonight and win and force a game six. Then we actually have a storyline. There has not been one fucking storyline in either conference finals. And if you look back in the history of the NBA, I don't think that's common. And the fact that more and more people like myself are gravitating towards hockey because there are storylines up the ass is a real problem for the league. Maybe it's a one-year problem and it'll get solved. But the NBA definitely has to fix some of their scheduling, fix you know, how they're basically the injury management and everything like that. Like what? Why is it's game five? And, and I, my friend Eric was right. Like, why isn't Tyler Harrow out there? Even if Tyler Harrow can't play a ton, just throw him in the corner and shoot threes. Is his groin injury that bad? Has he torn? If he tore his groin, maybe we need to be more transparent about injuries. I don't know. But we can't necessarily do this like, well, he's questionable, he's this. It feels regular season. It's the fucking playoffs, man. Everybody should be out there. So let's hope for entertainment tonight in Mavs Warriors. Maybe we'll get it. Um, and maybe, you know, Miami forces a game five somehow, or a game seven somehow, and pulls a Celtics on what happened with the Bucs. You know, basically this was the exact same situation the Bucs had, and they pissed it away. And I think the more the Celtics win, the more mad I get about game six. I really do. Um, it feels... Very Packer 49er reminiscent because I'm convinced we would beat the Los Angeles Rams. I think we would have beat the Rams by two scores in Lambeau. Um, and then I think we would have beat the Bengals. I think we would have won the Super Bowl. And that that's going to stick. That'll, that'll, that sticks with me a little bit. And it will probably will stick with me until the end of next season. And if the end of the next season results in the Super Bowl, it doesn't even matter. I'm like, all right, I don't give a fuck. But, and that's the same with the Bucks, really. And that, we mentioned that in earlier in the show, talking about Durant. All right, that does it for today's pod. Back tomorrow. We are going to have a pod on Friday. We'll not have a pod Monday uh, since it's Memorial Day unless something crazy happens. Um, so we will have, we'll then be back on Tuesday. Um, we are going to do something fun tomorrow. Um, it's going to be overrated and overrated, properly underrated with Milwaukee activities in the summer. Um, we're going to do bars. We're going to do, you know, different things to do. Um, so yeah, feel free to submit your things. Um, I'll probably put something out on, on Instagram, uh, to, in terms of topics, um, cause we can definitely discuss a litany of different options. So happy, happy to do that for the people. Um, uh, I think it'll be fun, be a little different. We'll probably talk maybe a little bit about the brewers as well. And if anything else comes through the wire, um, on Thursday. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great day. If it's your last day of work, I hate your guts. Uh, but if it is, enjoy the long weekend. Um, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow for those who are grinding and slaving away. 
All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.